0: As we have been journeying through Christian conversations we come to today's topic which is learning to negotiate needs and sometimes we can mistakenly believe that this is a simple conversation that I have needs and you have wants and so therefore my needs will triumph over your wants but that's not realistic and what we see going all the way back to the Torah is that this is not a new problem this is something that god's people have been experiencing for a very long time and just perhaps in looking at this passage we can learn some things to do and learn some things not to do as we find ourselves in a place of transition as many of us are beginning to move out of pure isolation and quarantine into a new way of being and as we do this many different people are trying to articulate what they need and what has gone on and what they need to happen in the days ahead and many of us are finding conflict in this and the same is true back then even our gathering liturgy from the book of Genesis the first book in the Torah is about negotiating needs in the case of the book of numbers though what we find is that two of the tribes The Reubenites and the Gadites, both of whom are descended from one of the sons of Jacob, who was renamed Israel, Reuben and Gad, that these two families have transitioned away from the other families. The other tribes continue to be herders, keeping sheep and goats. But the Reubenites and the Gadites have become cattle herders. They now deal in cattle, and cattle and sheep and goats do not have the same needs sheep and goats can navigate a much harsher terrain they can gather nutrients and eat things that the cattle cannot they have divergent needs but they both have needs and so the reubenites and the gadites are looking at the land that they currently occupy as all of the tribes have been preparing to enter into the promised land having completed their 40 years of wandering as a penalty for their faithlessness And the Reubenites and the Gadites say, you know, things are really good here for our cattle, which means that things could be really good here for us and for our families. And they are right in tending to the needs of all of these animals, this great many cattle and their families. They don't have to just provide food and shelter and clothing for today. But they want to make sure that their families will be safe in the days to come and that the generations that come after will also have security and stability and that they will be able to continue with what this generation leaves to them and so trying to navigate all of that responsibility they say to one another we should stay here nothing in their discussion is about we don't believe god or we think that we can't take the promised land as the previous generation had said instead they say we have looked at our needs and where we are and we think that this will give us the best chance to not just survive but to thrive and so they decide to do a very brave thing and go and talk to moses and those of you who are very familiar with moses know that he's a bit intimidating and this conversation that are about to have reveals that just as much and so when they say these very same things To Moses, you know, we would like to stay here. We have a lot of cattle. Can we stay in this part? Please don't make us go into the promised land for this is very good for us. Moses responds with a lot of anger and some harsh words. And I believe that Moses is responding out of post-traumatic stress disorder from having to circle in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was there when the people were convinced by some of the naysaying spies that went into the land that had been promised to them. And when they came back reports of, with reports of a really fruitful land, but lots of giants and scary things were going to happen, they didn't trust in God. Instead, what needed to happen was that they would... Engage with god in conversation to negotiate their needs instead. They said we should just go back to egypt Which was very insulting to god and to moses and so moses is clearly bringing that past that history that Trauma into the conversation when the reubenites and the Gadites say to him. Hey, we want to stay here What moses hears is oh my gosh, you don't want to go into the promised land You're gonna ruin everybody else because god's gonna get angry again And everyone who was 20 and older from the previous generation had to wander around for 40 years until their lives expired. And Moses is terrified that that's going to happen again. You can hear it in his words and there's an emotion to what he's saying, especially when he starts referring to them as a brood of sinners. Ultimately, there is a failure to properly communicate here because they all have needs. The Reubenites and the Gadites need to be able to provide for their cattle so they can provide for their family. And the rest of the tribes, they need to have the land that was promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so that they can care for their herds, their sheep, their goats, and their families. They have the same wants and desires, and they have the same needs as far as providing providence but how they're going to carry out those needs is very divergent and so here we see a struggle what do we do how do we navigate this moses of course responds with fear and anger because what he heard was you don't want to go into the promised land you want to stay here god said we have to go into the promised land and maybe you've noticed that at no point in this conversation have we actually spoken to God? At no point did we pray, did we invoke God to illuminate for us and give us some inspiration. The Reubenites and the Gadites had a very practical conversation. And Moses had a very understandable response, even if it was not exactly humble and empathetic. But we can see where he would be so afraid. Given what he's just lived through he's one of the few people that actually wandered around for 40 years and survived And he doesn't want that to happen again He watched an entire generation die in the wilderness and he doesn't want to see that happen But perhaps god could have helped them if they had engaged With not just prayer but holy conversation And so what we find is that The story will go on the story goes on and the reubenites and the gadites go you know Clearly, we're, we're, we're not connecting here. We're, we're trying to say something, and you're saying something else. And so they will come back and say, what we're asking for is that you will allow us to get things ready here for our, our cattle and our families. Let us build some strongholds, because there are people that cannot go into the promised land, like our children, uh, their mothers, and those that are too old for warfare. We would like to have them stay with the cattle here safely. Then all of us who are capable will come and be with you militarily We will come and fight alongside you and fight for you in the promised land We're not going to forsake the pledge We are going to ensure that all of our siblings In faith are going to be able to receive the blessing that was promised to them And so we will do our part. We're not going to abandon them We're not just going to stay over here and say good luck on that side of the jordan But we will come. And Moses says, that sounds good. Uh, You have to promise to do that because God will, will get you if you don't. But they also go a little further. The Reubenites and the Gadites will do something that is truly gracious. They will say, if you allow us to have this land, and if we are allowed to go and fight alongside of the other ten tribes, then we will not lay claim to the promised land. So instead of having to divide the land among 12, you will now only have to divide it among 10, which means that all of the tribes are going to have more land to each tribe's name, which is a gracious concession to offer. And Moses receives all of this and gives them his blessing, and they come to an agreement, sealed with their voices, that the Reubenites and the Gadites are going to do what they need to do in order that those that are able to fight alongside the others will enter into the promised land, not just for a period of time, but until the Lord's will is completed and the tribes have taken their rightful place in the promised land. And so this kind of negotiation ends very well. But what's tragic is that this could have gone completely wrong. A lot of people would not take well to being called a brood of sinners or having Moses react the way that he does. And a lot of them would have just said, you know what? I don't need this. You don't have to talk to me like this, and I'm walking away. We have another example that we shared this morning in the gathering liturgy where Abram and Lot, who are family. Abram is Lot's uncle. Lot's uncle, Abram's brother, died. And so Abram has... Taken lot into his household and kind of raised him as his child and has cared for him And now lot is an adult and he has his own household and he has his own people to care for And as they are now in this same area Abram's herders are starting to argue and bicker over land and water With lots herders. And so now the issue is How are we going to navigate the needs? We have the same needs we need land for our sheep and our herds we need fresh water for them and we have to have a space where we're not all on top of each other and arguing what they do is based upon abram's suggestion i know that you need land and i know that i need land so i will give you the first choice you tell us where you want us to go and we will do that you will either take the right and i will take the left or you will take the left and i will take the right And because of that, Lot is given the opportunity to make his first choice. And he sees land that looks good to him, and he says, I will go this way. And Abram says, that's fine. I'll go this way. And all of us can have our needs met, and we can continue to grow and thrive. And you mean no less to me, and I mean no less to you. That's the struggle that we have in the church, is determining needs. And sometimes we can't figure out what the needs are if we aren't completely authentic, honest, and vulnerable. And this is part of the negotiation that happens. We live in a world where people never want to lay all their cards on the table. We live in a world where they say, don't tell everybody everything, hold something back, don't let them know that you are in need. But that's not God's way. God's way is completely authentic and honest. And because of that, there's a vulnerability. We recognize that we live in a capacity as God's people where God knows everything about us. God knows all that we have done and said and thought. And God still chooses to love us. We have to model that for one another. And it is a struggle. In the past month or so as People have been discussing how do we take the next step in our lives. We have gone from total lockdown to trying to figure out what the next school year will look like or how are we going to go back to work, can we go back to work. And there are so many conversations that are happening, not only within a particular family, but navigating with employee and employer. And you have it between families and the school system. And everybody has needs. They all have needs. But sometimes we seem to hear these conversations and assume that some people are being selfish or that some people are simply trying to have their own way rather than seeing that there are needs that are being articulated or maybe there are needs that they're afraid to articulate. I've had so many people talk to me about we might be a dual income household, but both of us have to work in order to survive one of us can't not work or if you're a single parent household then it's terrifying to think of how am i going to stay employed and yet provide schooling for my child how can i possibly make that decision there are so many different levels of these conversations and all of them are worthy everyone needs to have their needs not only heard but accounted for in the conversations Lot. And Abram do a better job of modeling that for us. But those are two people. Sometimes it's easier to have that conversation. What we tend to forget, though, is that both of those patriarchs are speaking not only for their families and their households, but all of the households that work for them. Every conversation has huge ripple effect. And that's precisely what we see play out in the book of Numbers. The Reubenites and the Gadites are talking for thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. They are talking about all of the animals entrusted into their care, and they are hoping that their decisions are going to be good and fruitful, not just for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, but for their people for all time. That's a heavy burden to shoulder. And that's just some of the weight of those conversations. If we think about the conversations that we are a part of or that we are privy to, we hear it too. We are able to hear the unspoken fears and needs. We have needs and we are afraid that they will not be met. We are afraid that we will fail our households, our families. We will fail our employers. We will fail one another. And so we have to be willing to have these conversations from a very honest standpoint. What is it that you really need? Do you need child care? Do you need better access? What is it that you need? I can't meet your needs if I don't know them. But then we have to be willing to listen to one another, to hear. And you might have to listen to their fears before they are honest about their needs. And that's when we need patience with one another. It is not a quick and easy answer. Every single one of us right now trying to navigate the next steps recognizes the gravity of the decisions that we are going to make and the implication and We all fear that we might make decisions that cause harm to another person or that aren't even optimal for some of us That doesn't mean that we don't have hearts for everyone. It doesn't mean that we don't yearn to do the right thing Not just by one another, but in accordance with god And so the bible gives us some guidance and some inspiration First, let's learn from what they did and what they didn't do When we choose to invoke god we change the tenor of every conversation Now you might not be able to go into your boss and say i'd like for us to pray before we have a conversation about me working from home But you can always pray You are welcomed and encouraged by the Holy Spirit to say, God, I have to have a difficult conversation. And while I can't evoke you in the scriptures in this, I need you with me and for me. And I need you to guide my words and I need you to guide my actions so that what I say and do reflects you. That's the first thing that we're empowered to do. We're also empowered to encourage other people to step into safe space that we create with our conversations. So perhaps if you are one that wields the power in the relationship, you are able to say, before I make any decision, I just really need to know what is vital for you right now. Where do you have needs that have to be met or that haven't been met that you need moving forward? What do you need not just so that you have something to eat and something to wear and a place to stay, but what do you need so that you can truly survive long term? And so can your loved ones. What is it that you need so that I can figure out how we can work toward achieving that together? Because the one thing that the Bible consistently tells us is that I can't thrive if you are suffering. And the same is true. God wants all of us to be at a place where we feel joy and can celebrate the blessings of God rather than having to constantly live in fear and abiding in a darkness of uncertainty. And right now, for all too many people, that's where they are. So for those of us that are in a place where we can have an ear to listen, and we have power and we have resources to help ease burdens, this is our moment. And may we step up as Moses did, but not respond with nasty words and negative emotion. But perhaps be willing like Abram, who had... More power and authority than lot. To say, I am willing for us to work together. You make the first choice. And I will respond out of respect for our relationship. We have the opportunity to model the best of the scriptures. Not the worst. But we have to be conscious of that. And we have to make a concerted effort to do what God would have us do. And this struggle is going to be with us for the next weeks months and perhaps even longer but today we can change the course of the conversations we've been having but we have to remember that while we have needs and we are very aware of our own needs so do others we can't look at them as someone whose needs are in opposition to ours but simply to recognize that they have needs and so do we and God who knows all of our needs is asking us to work together to be in right relationship and see where I can give so that others may have and where they can give so that I may have it is about a long-term relationship rather than simply negotiating for today and that will be our struggle but fortunately we know that there are successes where people are able to work together they are able to manifest God's will which is that all people will know that they are valued They will know that not only God cares for them, but so do we who call ourselves the body of Christ. And we can truly be part of the solution to the problems that so many are experiencing if we are willing to listen, to be patient, and to journey alongside one another. That will be where our struggle is. But we also know that where there is struggle, Christ very much promises to be with us and to work for us. May that give us courage and strength to persevere, not against one another, but alongside and with one another. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.